Mango Mustache Media. Welcome to another episode of One Word Stories. You decided to give me some of your time? What? Thanks so much for tuning in. I can't thank you enough. My name is Alex Schulte, and this is the show where we take one word and let it inspire the stories we tell. This show is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. If you want to support this show and other shows like it, get bonus content, ad-free episodes, access to exclusive merch, discounts at our live events, and want to support local in a way that uh, is, is so unique, please consider going to laspodcastnetwork.com slash plus and consider subscribing for 10 bucks. You can really be a part of something really special that we're building right here in our very own town. Now, today, I have a really special guest with me, someone who I've actually been working with for um, a few months now, actually, at the Rough Riders games. So you might have heard his voice saying, the Riders are back at full strength. <laughs> or or maybe you've heard him on KRNA. Or maybe you've heard him on Hawk, Or maybe you know him as the Assistant Director of Marketing at Mount Mercy University. My guest today is Chad Cooper. What's up, Coop? You know, I'm just here in the studio, and it this is f- feels like friendly confines in here. Yeah, dude, feels y- good. You uh, you look comfortable. I really am. With I lean micro- back just yeah, enough. The the microphone, the headphones, you are in your element. This is bringing me back to my radio days, and also kind of like at the same time segmented with the Rough Riders. Days with a voice well. like that, they let you on the radio. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why they let me in the yeah. studio to begin so, with. Dude, you have one of the coolest voices of all time. I appreciate. You that. just do, and and if not the coolest voice in town. Um, comparable to, I would say, Al Betker, who's going to help us introduce our word here in just a moment. Right on. Dude, I, and I, there's one thing we need to do to get out of the way to make sure that our conversation doesn't go everywhere, mm-hmm. and that's giving us our one word today. And we've said the word already in conversation just organically here, but let's have another epic voice help us introduce today's word. Today's episode is brought to you by the word voice. Huzzah! The magic. All right. So for full transparency, um, I am I am producerless today. I am I am wearing the drums on my back. I've got cymbals between my knees. Um, I'm playing the accordion. My little one-man band, as you put it. I, I feel pleasured and kind of like uh, fortunate to be here. I get to see the whole production on a one-man scale. <laughs> this has been impressive thus far. Dude, no doubt about it. So Logan, who usually produces the show, is out of town. And um, Jackson Parker, who, who would be able to do it when Logan can't, is also unavailable. So that leaves me here on my lonesome playing both producer and host today. So thank you for your patience. Not a problem at all. Also... Um, we said your name's Chad Cooper at the beginning, but but everybody knows you as Coop. Right, You're for Coop. sure. At, at the Rough Riders games, I always throw it back to Coop. Mm-hmm. It's it's iconic. Right, it's a way, exactly. It's a great um, brand. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you have a last name Cooper, it's automatically going to go there. And Coop. so I'm used to people yelling that, teachers, coaches, 
parents, other people's parents. It doesn't matter. It's, <laughs> cool. It gets yelled at me one way or the other. Whether it be in uh, in negativity or positivity, it's getting yelled at <laughs> one way or the other. There's no way anybody refers to you in a negative way. Right. No well, well way. that would be my hope, but my ears do burn from time to time. Well, maybe we're going to hear about that today. Yeah, so, for sure. So this is really cool for me, and I said this to you before we started recording, but it's worth repeating, is that I know you, but I don't know you. Right. You know, like I see you in passing at these Rough Riders games. We always close out the game together. We say bye to the folks that come in mm-hmm. together. Um, but I've never really had a chance to like sit down and have a conversation with you. I've always known that I like you and that I would always be willing to like, I, I would always be down to get a beer with, with, with you. Right. Seriously, it would be a delight. Um, but we just haven't done that. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a fun way to record us getting to know each other. Yeah. In many ways, it's kind of like I told you before we started, too. In many ways, this feels like the uh, foundation of a podcast. It, just bring two people in a room who don't know each other at all, and let's strike up a conversation. You know, and that's an interesting thing that I was trying to do with this with this new season of my show is because I've had so many people on the show that I know so well. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to, to interview somebody you know because you can just prompt them to tell the, the stories that you already know. Right. But... It's a different ball game when you're talking to somebody who you don't know their stories. And I'm so interested to hear your stories and hear how your voice has kind of sculpted who you are today. Obviously, right off the bat, people listening at home are going to tell, this guy's got a really unique voice. It's the the, the tone. Um, the It just sounds like, uh, I don't know, that's that's my that's my coup. That was a decent. That was a decent impression. Yeah. That was a decent impression. Person, I can't do it. It's just it's so. I just sound like Cookie Monster when I do it. But you sound awesome. Well, I'm glad that that's it's taken that route. It has. Sure, yeah. So so let's, as we always do in the show, start at the end. In 2022, who is Coop? Who's Chad Cooper? Right. Well, at this point, you know, as you mentioned in your introduction, Assistant Director of Marketing at Mount Mercy, and that defines a lot of what I do in terms of my professional, my career life, also doing the work with the Rough Riders, have 10 years of experience in radio, but so much of that has been defined by voice, but also maybe somewhat ironically, so much of my career has been defined by actual writing, which is kind of the opposite of voice in many ways, you know, if you think about it. Obviously, people talk about having a voice with the written word, but not, this isn't spoken word, obviously. So that's been somewhat, uh, that's been an odd juxtaposition with everything. How, how, how are you a writer? I didn't know that. Yeah. So, I mean, one professionally, I started as in radio, obviously with voice straight out of the university of Iowa. But as a part of that, you kind of do the grunge work and obviously you're used to this too, with your background (laughs) in radio. So whether it's producing commercials or whether it's writing scripts for commercials, and that's kind of where I've got my start where something picked up professionally. And then from then on, I went to be a copywriter at RNL, which most people know is Ruffalo Noel Levitz here in Cedar Rapids, which in Cedar Rapids, most people think of that and they go, you must work on a call floor or something. <laughs> like you're a telemarketer, right? No, yeah. no, no. There's a huge marketing and creative department at RNL. And so I worked there for nine years, copywriting, wow. literally writing copy for hundreds of colleges and universities. And the only time really I got to use my voice was on the weekends when I did radio and then whenever I pitched out to clients during meetings. And so, you know, one of the first things people say is, wow, that voice. And it's interesting that we made this the, the kind of the focal point of the conversation yeah. is because, in all honesty, for so many years, especially I'd say the last four to five, I've tried to run away from the voice to a degree. Uh, because I thought it was making me a little one-dimensional. You know, it's one of those things, whenever, really? you, whenever you interact with somebody and they go, wow, that voice, 
And then you go, yeah, that's that's definitely the first thing people recognize. But there's definitely more to that. And that sounds a little cliched. But in the past, I would say six months to a year, I've kind of embraced the idea that the voice is kind of the doorway to open up the other stuff. You're more and than just a pretty voice. Exactly. <laughs> so without the voice, the other stuff doesn't get noticed. And I've come to I've come to appreciate that. That's really cool. So mm-hmm. you're, you've been spending a lot of time and energy on, on working on the other facets of your being. Yeah. Uh, working the other muscles that, that it takes to be a creative in this town? Yeah, for sure. And just the idea that the voice is kind of that first impression. And there's no way to get around that. It's, that's, that's what people hear first. That's what people interact with first. But then it's backing that up with something else and making sure that when they leave your, their interaction with you, they don't just go, hey, that was the guy with yeah. the deep voice. And I think the other thing about that, too. Right. He was also delightful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was a delightful person. He wasn't uh, completely terrible. And I'm not <laughs> cursing his name right now. So yeah. that's a part of it, too. And then another part is the voice itself, hopefully, is not just deep not just resonant, but it has some, you know, something else to it as well that makes people think about it and remember it. See, you are a special guy, though, outside of your voice, too. Absolutely. You have a presence to you, Mm -hmm. I think. You, you... I see you walking down the street just today. I'm like, God, there goes freaking Chad Cooper looking cool as hell again. You've got great fashion. You, you're you very aware of how you're presenting yourself. For sure. There's no doubt about it. Um, I would not for a second say that I don't think about when I start my day. Yeah. Um, and I'm certainly someone who, if I'm being quite frankly, quite honest, is an attention seeker to a certain degree. Same. No one wears this much jewelry and doesn't <laughs> try to seek attention. No one thinks about their fashion that much and doesn't seek some sort of attention. So that's certainly an element of who I am. But I think it's also expression. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, I think it's, I think it's, there's, there's so many ways for you to express yourself and through your fashion is definitely one of those. And yeah. for the record, I want to be the guy that wears rings. Yeah. I'm just not yet. Well, you but know, I'm going to be. Yeah, that takes a runway to get used to. You know, it's like wearing a hat. You know, like some people can pull off a certain kind of hat and they yes. feel comfortable with it. And sometimes it doesn't feel Dude. right. And it takes a few times <laughs> if you're going to break through it. And other people just say, no, nah, I'm, I'm never wearing that hat well, again. It's so funny you say that. I've got a hat at home right now that's just like waiting for its debut. Uh, yeah. It's a it's a hat my mom got from me in Puerto Rico. And so I, I'm. I don't know if you know this, but my all listeners do. I'm half Puerto Rican, okay. so that's like a part of me mm-hmm. that I'm very proud of and want to show off, but I don't feel like I do that enough here in Iowa. Right. So I've got this great Puerto Rican hat, like this fedora thing. And it's not a fedora, because fedoras are, are pretty lame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but right. um, it's it's this wonderful hat, and it's just it's just so extra for someone like me to wear, I feel. Because yeah. I'm so white presenting. Hats are hats are tough to pull off, but if it's done with confidence, like any other fashion move, people confidence. feel it. People feel it. Like they say, if you if you feel good in it, you look good in it. That might be a cliche, but I, I definitely feel that's honest. There's a there's a comedic skit from Mark Maron. He has a skit about seeing someone, like he'll see people walking down the street and they have a hat on, and instantly, as soon as he sees them, he's like, I need to buy that hat. <laughs> and then he goes out, he buys that hat, he spends whatever amount of money he spends on that hat. He gets home, he gets in a full length mirror. He puts that hat on and he says, why in the world <laughs> did I buy this hat? I look ridiculous in this hat. And then it goes in the trash can or the Goodwill or to a vintage shop or whatever. Some people. Yeah. You know, you're going to see people. They look cool in a hat. You try to replicate it and sometimes it just doesn't hit the mark. So I'm glad that the jewelry has hit the mark for me. I feel comfortable in it. It really has. Yep. Have you seen the Bruno Mars? Uh, um, I have, yes. Yes. Carpool karaoke. Yep. Where they try the different hats and, mm-hmm. and James Corden's like, all right, now you try this hat on. It's this ridiculous like pimp hat. Yep. And Bruno Mars looks so good in it. And then he puts it on, he looks like an idiot. Right. There's just some people. But, okay, to get back to voice, though, um, um, how is your voice influencing your life in 2022? 
So I think first and foremost, the voice in and of itself, we talked about the work with the Rough Riders. Um, so, so what do you do for the Rough Riders? So I know, the R- Rough Riders, yeah. So I'm the PA announcer at the Rough Riders, which means I'm the voice you hear, but not the face you see. So I'm not the person that you're seeing. I'm the person you're hearing. And I work in conjunction with Alex Schulte right across the table. Hell yeah. So we already have kind of that teamwork dynamic already. Yes. And so that's a, that's a huge element of the voice. And then obviously, you know, even in my role at Mount Mercy, so much of, of this role is being able to talk with other people out in the community, within the community at Mount Mercy itself. And I would be, once again, remiss if I didn't admit that the voice played a huge part in that. And it's right. not just the tenor or the tone of the voice. It's the idea of being able to communicate with other people. I was exa- I was going to make that exact point just now. Thanks for finishing that thought. Yes, ex- absolutely. It's not just how you sound. It's how you present yourself. Right. Uh, not fi- not just physically either, mm-hmm. but um, in conversation. And, and you are a person who I think connects with people pretty easily. Because you enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my parents, to kind of give you an idea of my background, my parents owned a bar in Cedar Rapids for close to 40 years. Really? Yeah, they owned, uh, first it was the Paradise on First Avenue Southeast in Cedar Rapids. Some people who were, like, really entrenched in softball in Cedar Rapids early on would yeah. kind of know that bar. And then it became the Copacabana. So my parents have always had that creative spark. The take Copa Coop, Take Copacabana. Mix it with our last name, and there you go. So um, a lot of my creativity I owe to my parents. I owe my fashion uh, my fashion skill, if I have any, to my mom. You do. I owe my, uh, I owe my resonance or my voice probably partially to my dad. And so a lot of that is kind of getting to know people. You know, when you're in the bar business, it's a lot of knowing a lot of different kinds of people. People hard on their luck, people who are above their luck in many cases, and that is a huge role in terms of influencing me, in terms of dynamics with people, being able to relate to certain people, and then also kind of being able to use your voice to communicate with other people too. Having an, an interest in other people is going to take you far. Exactly. No what. A curiosity. Exactly. So many people talk about natural. Yeah, natural curiosity is a thing. I think it's kind of become a corporate buzz term lately, as so many things have. Mm-hmm. But it is true. You know, if you carry th- yourself through life with that kind of natural curiosity, you find yourself picking up people along the way, just naturally. So at surface level, being totally just vain, only the voice, mm-hmm. without the personality, the only thing you're really using it for right now is Rough Riders, correct? Right, yeah. I was in radio for many years, and then as people who are in radio can probably relate to, COVID hit. And everyone in the world right now can relate to COVID um, hitting in hey, some way. You, you, I, I lost my job, yeah. my radio job, because yeah. of COVID. Exactly. So that's what happened to me. I was a fixture on KRNA and KHAK for the better part of eight to nine years. And then within the span of about a week, nothing. Done. Yep, exactly. And was it March of 2020? Yeah, it would have been March. I think I remember the date. It was March 23rd, 2020. I got a phone that's call crazy. from a program director. I think it was the 24th for me. Yeah. So, obviously, at that point, everything kind of changed. Um, You know, the voice that was at least making an impact on the weekends, and I felt like, hey, I'm using this in a way, uh, was gone, was done. And I didn't really have a complete direct outlet to use my voice anymore. I think that's the big thing, too, is is your, your, I keep, I I refer to it as my nutrition. Mm -hmm. You need that food to feed yourself, to feed your soul. You know, if you don't have an outlet to do that, how was that going a transition into COVID and not having any creative outlets for months, if not a year? Admittedly, it was tough. I mean, obviously, there's an element of my role even at the time. I was still at RNL at that time. And, and believe me, I, I say all of this with the underpinning of I realize how fortunate I was through COVID that I had a full time job through all of it. Radio was always a part time gig for me. And in many cases, I referred to it as a hobby I got paid for. Mm. I loved radio. 
but it wasn't necessarily something I ever committed to full time. Hmm. Um, and some of that was pragmatic. I've seen enough things happen in radio where I kind of knew to keep yeah. one foot out and one foot in. And then some of that was just naturally I already had a career, already had a path in line. So, you know, the idea that I still was able to have a full time job and kind of use my voice in that element. But no, it was definitely tough. All of a sudden, I was used to every weekend having a mic and literally having a mic yeah. in front of me and then went to having no mic in front of me for the better part of 16, 17 months. So the only time that you have a microphone in front of you today is when you're either being interviewed on a podcast mm-hmm. or hanging out at a Rough Riders game. Right, exactly. And in my, I guess I, I owe some credit to Mount Mercy as well. Oh my gosh, <laughs> my, Siri. This is, this is Siri part of the just, natural. Uh, Siri wanted to be a part of our conversation yeah, as well. Talk. Sorry, I didn't catch that. No, this is all part of the podcast experience. <laughs> Let me take my watch off. I'm, I'm fortunate for Mount Mercy too because I'm also the PA guy for a lot of Mount Mercy events. So if you're at a Mount Mercy softball game or a Mount Mercy baseball game or a basketball game, more than likely this voice is in there. And so I was just talking with someone uh, about this a couple weeks ago. There's weird ways. It's kind of like water. It finds a way to get out one way or the other. And I feel like the voice is the same way. It was it was tampered. It was kind of tampened down for the better part of a year and a half. Right. But it finds a way to work itself back in. And so now I've kind of gone zero to 60. The voice was silent for the better part of a year. And now it's it's prominent again. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, here at Rydertown. Right. Exactly. Or right here. in Rydertown. Inside the stable. Hell right. yeah. Yes. You just, you just drop right back into it. Dude, it's such uh, – it's <sighs> – it's coming to an end at the end of April, and I'm kind of bitter about it. Yeah. Like, I, I guess it's bittersweet to get the time back, but I've had so much fun. Same. Likewise. I mean, I know I've said this a few times in conversations, whether it be through messages, through Instagram, or whatever it might be, or after a game, but, you know, I've really enjoyed the connection that we've been able to make. Same. I think when people do a production like that, at least what I learned about, quite frankly, two games in, maybe the first weekend, is that that becomes a well-oiled machine. Yep. And if you throw, especially kind of that main production, um, the people who are on camera, on mic, and who are running audio and running camera, you throw run one wrench into that and things can go astray very fast. And we've seen that a few times this year. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, much like a podcast, some things are going on in the background that no one sees. There's no a little one. magic going on. Yep. And our job is to make it look as good on the surface level as we can. Exactly. Yeah. Right. We're not panicking over there. We're just panicking on the inside. Exactly. Exactly. It's like a duck on water. You know, no uh, one sees what's going on underneath, but that's definitely what's happening. With it was the funny. Uh, were you there at the game when the we had the new uh, the new music guy? Uh, yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to shout out any names, no, no, no. any dates, or anything. Yep. But um, we changed up the person who plays the music at the Raiders games, at the at the Rough Rider games, and it changed the whole vibe yep. of the entire night. Yeah. Now, and to be honest as well, my natural inclination, like if I were at a house party, that would probably be my playlist. You know, I was feeling it. Dude, I was kind of vibing with it. I loved the music. Right. I actually did. Right. I and said it into the headset yeah, a few times. I know, yeah, I heard you a couple times, and I, and I felt the same way. But, you know, it's all about it's all about atmosphere and where you happen to be at the time. And that's Customer's just, always right, Exactly, man. exactly. So, you know. you know, it was still different, but I think you get that vibe as well. And I think the same thing if you put somebody in new um, who's running audio, whether it be someone who's hosting or someone who's in PA, it just kind of changes the dynamic. And right. so much of that is teamwork in a weird way. 
being able to kind of vibe off another person. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you and I have done it now for the better part of three or four months, months it definitely yeah. makes a difference. And yeah. I hope I hope we're both coming back next year, too. I would hope so. I mean, I guess this is a mini plug if anyone from the Riders or Metro <laughs> Studios is listening to this. Bring you know. us back. Yeah, I mean, you know, hey, I think it's become pretty smooth at this point. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about our production, Yeah, to be honest. Yeah. Every, you know, no matter what the, the turnout of the game is, everything, Right. everybody always has good things to say about how we do the show. And quite frankly, I say this as objectively as possible. I've been to other sporting events. And, you know, one could argue a bigger production value and have yeah. not been nearly as impressed um, in terms of both the audio, video, and just overall the production. So Same. the Rough Riders and Metro Studios, they do a great job. And I th- I'll go on record. I thought that long before I ever jumped behind a mic with the Rough Riders and Metro Studios. I agree. I yeah. mean, when they asked me to be the host, I was like, okay, are you, uh, big shoes to fill. Jenny Valier mm-hmm. was the host before me. And w- I was only there whenever she couldn't make it because yeah. we were working together at, at Z and then She'd be like, hey, I um, I have to go be Miss Iowa or something amazing. <laughs> yeah. Can you host the Rough Riders game? Like, I'm too busy for this awesome thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right, exactly. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. And then and then the, you know, COVID happened. Mm-hmm. There was no hockey. And then a year comes by and they reach out. Right. And well, hell yes, I'm on board. Let's do this thing. For sure. And that's the circuitous path. That's what's interesting about this as well is that I kind of was in the same boat with the Rough Riders for about a year or two where they'd call me every now and then. I'd do about two games a year as host. And they'd say, hey, can you host? And I'd jump in there and host and whatnot. And I only did PA, I think, for them once or twice and then hosted another couple of times. So it's interesting that two people who were kind of filling in are now, it's it's our time at plate. Absolutely. Yeah, and we're up. That's kind of a, um, a thing in, in all of life. you got to wait your turn. You, For sure. You don't just get everything right away. No. You know, we had to get our foot in the door first, and mm-hmm. then this thing happens. And, and it, it's it's kind of spilled into the rest of my life. I, the biggest thing that the Rough Riders, I think, did for me this past coming out of COVID mm-hmm. was it gave me my swagger back. Yeah, for sure. Because I felt, like I said before, my nutrition was gone. I, I didn't have um, the outlet to, to feel like I was doing anything worth listening to at right. all and then we do this and it's really cool walking around that place and everybody wants to freaking give you a high five or get a picture with you and stuff like yeah. there is a confidence boost that comes with that and that confidence turns into better content yeah you know for sure better There's no life. doubt about it yeah so. it's for me it's been and i i say this in a good way it's been a good routine for me um after a year plus of not really having a good routine of having something that felt too routine in terms of I wasn't doing enough, didn't feel like I was kind of multitasking enough. There's certainly a limit to that. The Rough Riders have given me kind of that offshoot to be able to, I'm done with the nine to five, which I love doing. Obviously, I wouldn't be up at Mount Mercy if I didn't love doing that role. And, mm-hmm. and having taken that fairly recently, just this past December, moved into that role. But the Rough Riders have Congrats given me- Congrats again, by the way. Dude. I appreciate That's it. That's huge. The Rough Riders have given me kind of that extra outlet. And once again, it's a lot of fun to work there, especially once you get your feet underneath you and you, you it is a well-orchestrated machine. And yeah. when you get in there, you realize that there's definitely kind of a figure skating element to it. Everything is orchestrated. <laughs> everything is very precise. And the more you do it, the more respect you have for that kind of production mm-hmm. on the back end, too. Absolutely. You go and see it other places, and, and it's not as easy as it looks. Right. The gears in your head start turning. You're, you're imagining everything that's going on. It also makes me a little bit judgy, though, of other oh, of, of course. other production companies. Yeah, of course. Because uh, I, I did go and see another um, professional sporting game of I won't say which, mm-hmm. but it was a really lackluster yeah. show. Right. Um, the host, I was like, man, I really want to give them 
I'm not even going to gender them. So you have no idea who I'm right, talking yeah, about. You're keeping this completely on the uh, level. I wanted to give them an energy drink. You mm-hmm. know, I was like, come on, yeah. please give me something here. But it, it, it takes a lot and you got to get the right people. And those people have to like working with each other. Yeah, exactly. Because it shows. Well, and I know what you're saying as far as the being able to look at a host. And this is kind of coming back to this idea of voice as well, is that the thing I've never wanted to do is have the voice be kind of a caricature of myself. And I think when you go out to other events and other avenues, there are great voices, but there's an element of it where it seems like uh, there are some histrionics to it. Uh, people are throwing it kind of to a degree. Oh. And if you heard them at the grocery store or out at a bar grabbing a beer, you wouldn't really recognize it. You wouldn't connect it. The right. voice of them behind the mic is different than their voice in real life. And I've, I've never really wanted that to be the case. And quite frankly, I've had a a few different people and, and uh, organizations read out, reach out to me, and I've told them, like, if you're going for Monster Truck Rally, this is not the voice. This is I'm not your guy. I'm not going to be guttural. I'm not going to be, you know, mm-hmm. adding in, like, an extra emphasis. Of course I'm going to elongate names and that kind of I, yeah, environment. Of you know, I'm not going to do that out in my regular day-to-day life, even though I guess it would be kind of be cool if I did. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, I'm not going to necessarily. Right. Yeah, and maybe I do that from time to time, you know, just to throw people off a bit. But there was this guy who used to do a PA work for, the, for Iowa for years, and his name was the Reverend Bob Holtzhammer. And I remember when I went to Iowa basketball games as a kid, his voice was the first thing you recognized. And then just out of natural curiosity, I listened to interviews with him. And the voice of him talking like we're talking right now was the exact same voice you heard at Iowa games. And to me, there was always a respect for that because he didn't need to throw in a lot of fireworks on it's it. It's authentic. He let it, yeah, it's like a James Earl Jones vibe. James Earl Jones <laughs> reads the Bible or reads anything, reads the newspaper. He doesn't need to elongate names or doesn't need to throw a lot of extra on it. His voice is his voice. It's and perfect. so the deal is I, I think that I've, I've clearly been given something from whatever you believe in. And so uh, based off of that, I've been able to just let the voice do the talking. I don't need to add a little extra to it. So that's kind of always been my approach to it. I love that. Let the voice do the talking. Right, exactly. That's great. Well, okay, we've covered where you come from, but I kind of want to see, um, there's two things I'm really curious about. One is how you handle the pandemic when you didn't have anything of an outlet. What were you doing to maintain your mental health? Mm -hmm. And then two, where did this all start? When's the first time we we figured out that 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 you had this voice from whatever you believe in? Right, exactly. Right. So yeah. so we're gonna come back with Coop. We're gonna take a couple minute break, and when we're back, we're gonna find out those two big questions and whatever else we stumble upon. Oh, and if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to LAS Plus because then you're gonna get that exclusive post show. Coop and I are gonna stick around a little bit after the show to play a fun game that I've got planned that he has no idea about. Take about 15 minutes. I hope you're ready. I, I love surprises. Here <laughs> okay. it comes. We'll be right back. Surprise! We're actually going to do a segment, a very special segment of True Love and Two Lies. Brought to you by Ginsburg Jewelers. Yes! It is that time of the show where I give my guest three proposal stories. One of them is true. Two of them I made up on the spot. But here's the thing. I actually brought in a very special guest for this specific segment. And she has never been on the show before, but you're about to hear her voice for the first time. Hopefully she doesn't sound like a monster. It's my girlfriend, Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Hello. (laughs) I was hoping you'd be like, hello. (laughs) 
Oh, that's what she always sounds like. That's her real voice. This is my real voice. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm like really in a pinch here, and I really needed somebody to come in and help me make this thing before this episode came out. And it's you today. And also, we did, for full transparency, go to your parents' house to pick up the story. So you do know that this story is your parents, but you don't know what your parents' story is. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, if you had to guess, do you have an idea? I <laughs> I would guess that he proposed to my mom at the camp that they worked at together over summer. Oh, shoot. I should have asked you that question before. Because there's no camp stories. You're about, you're not about to hear any <laughs> camp stories. Okay. So, so um, I really don't know. But go check out Ginsburg Jewelers. Go check out Steve and the team. They are over on uh, right across the street from Lindale Mall on First Avenue next to the Fountain. They're in the standalone building in that same parking lot as Poncheros and, and right next to Red Robin. And if you let them know that we sent you here at the LAS Podcast Network or that One Word Stories with Alex Schulte sent you, you're going to get 10% off of your order to get that engagement ring to 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 buy yourself some swag to um um maybe get beads for the Mardi Gras parade. Hannah's looking at me like I'm cr- I'm doing I'm just spitfiring some ideas here Hannah. I doubt they give out plastic beads at a jewelry store. No, but like for fancy Mardi Gras where they're handing out like diamond diamond beads. Necklaces, diamond beads. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, go and check out Ginsburg Jewelers. 10% off your next order by mentioning the LAS Podcast Network or One Word Stories with Alex Schulte uh, right over there in that standalone building next to the fountain. All right, Hannah, are you ready for story number one? I got three stories here for you. One of them's the real one. Here we go. Yeah? Yep. You sure? Yes. All right. Story number one. So this love story starts the way most love stories do, and that's with me breaking a promise to God. So I was currently going to school to be a priest, which meant I was going to give up all of my worldly things like a partner in life, along with many others. But life works in mysterious ways. I met this woman while I was in college we, who just blew me away. She was quirky, cute, and fun, and somehow I just knew I had to spend my life with her. After a few months, I've just been... After a few months of just being friends, I decided to drop out of school and propose. To my amazement, she was very on board, and we got married six months later. I need your words here. That is definitely false. That's not the story? That's not your dad's story? Yeah, that's definitely not, because my dad was never going to school to be a priest. He was going to be a pastor, and pastors can get married. Uh, You don't know. Maybe your dad (laughs) had a change of heart. No, he was never Catholic. Are you sure? And also, I remember that they broke up a lot of times before they got married because my mom was so like nervous about getting married and, <laughs> and they did not get married quickly. It was like, it was a long time of my dad trying to woo my mom. Woo. Yeah. Trying to court her. As you said, you, yeah. you brought that up before. <laughs> Cause they were like, they were old fashioned. They were dating in the seventies. Mm. When you courted people. Yes. And you had to like, he did not, propose a dowry for my mom but Wait, it, what's a dowry <laughs> that's like a payment <laughs> to the bride's family <laughs> he didn't give your grandpa four goats no okay no. well here's story numero dos so i was in school to become a pastor and i knew i wanted to start a family after school but there was a lot of things going on uh to be happening before that could happen i thought what better way to start a relationship than doing long distance 
Every summer, I would leave for my education, spending months away from my girlfriend, and we would write letters to each other, talk on the phone, and when we got together, we would always enjoy a nice night in with a board game, book, or movie. Well, one summer, my girlfriend surprised me with the fact that she was going to be coming with me, and that was all I needed to know, to know I wanted to be with her for the rest of my life. I proposed, she said yes, we've been married ever since. Story number two. I... That one's way more believable because you said pastor this time instead of priest. But I okay. I don't remember them doing long distance ever. I know that when my dad went to seminary school, which is um training to be a pastor, that my mom moved with him at Loris College. Wow, so there are some things in here that could be part of that story, huh? Yeah, she did go to actually live with him, but I don't know if they did long distance before that. Can I hear the third one before I decide? Of course not. Of course you can. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I I'm, I am happy to hear your thoughts in between them, though, because that's just kind of fun. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, of course, you're, you're going to have all three before you make your decision. Are you ready for number three? Yeah. Okay. Story number three. So my girlfriend and I had actually been seeing each other for five years at this point, and we were spending Thanksgiving together while I was at seminary. I had her over along with many of my other friends and I knew I was going to be leaving again soon for school and I told her that we had just been so back and forth lately and that I needed a decision. I wanted to be engaged but if she was willing to do that, I would be willing, if she wouldn't be willing to do that, I was willing to let her go. But to my luck, she did want to be engaged and we sat up all night talking about it because of course we did and that Thanksgiving we decided that we were going to get married and it's been happily ever after. Ever since. Hmm. See, I, I knew, I of course I wrote all these stories to be pretty similar because yeah. I didn't want to just be like, the only pastor story is it, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was in the NFL, and then uh, my wife, my girlfriend was the cheerleader <laughs> of the team, and and then I scored the game-winning touchdown, and I ran off the field and I proposed. I know you wouldn't have believed that. Yeah, so that third one... It makes sense because you said they were up and down. And like I had said, like, my mom kept breaking up with my dad. <laughs> um, the words I used were back and forth. Okay, okay, okay. okay. But and, yeah. And yeah, my dad and was kind of like, okay. Like, I know, but like, when they were getting engaged, he was like, all right, we, we got to make a decision here. Like, are we going to be together or not? Mm-hmm. So that one sounds the most believable to me because I have heard that many times from them. So. But I haven't heard anything about Thanksgiving. <gasps> That's the thing. Is that I'm not sure. One second. One second. Oh, whew, that scared me. Okay. I accidentally deleted the recording. <laughs> and then I can recover it, though. Okay. Whew, that was so scary. I'm going to leave that that end of the podcast. I'm not even going to take that out. <laughs> that was so scary. I accidentally swiped right on the audio from your dad and deleted it. Oh so, yeah. Um, but I got it back. What? So, what's, what's one are you going with? Two or three? Hmm. I'm going to say three. Final answer? Yeah. Let's yeah. find out if you are correct. We had been going together for five years, and it was Thanksgiving. We were I was actually spending it at seminary. I had yeah. several friends over and Robin. And Robin kept putting things off and putting things off. And basically, we spent all night talking, where I finally said to her, we've been going together this long. And we're going to be separated a lot because I'll be uh, gone for a year and we'd already been not together for a year. And I finally said to her, 
Well, you need to make a decision. I told her I love her, and I don't have anybody else that I'm interested in, but I'm not going to keep waiting, and I might be willing to see someone else. So it wasn't particularly that romantic, <laughs> but it was on that Thanksgiving then that we decided to get married. I was right. You were right. It was story number three. Yeah, I knew, I knew that they had been on and off for a while and that my dad gave her an ultimatum. I knew, but I still <laughs> all, all best love stories start with ultimatums, So, right? like, their proposal was just a conversation? Essentially, which is the most your parents thing ever. Yeah, it is, it is. Let's, uh, let's think about this logically here, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. my impersonation of your dad, by the way. Mm -hmm. It was not very good. So I guess what something that helped my mom come to the conclusion that she should marry my dad is that she talked to their campus pastor at Wartburg College, and she was talking to him about how much, I think his, his name was Pastor Trochty. I remember that, actually. Wow, that's a name. Yeah, and uh, he basically sat down with my mom, and he was like, Robin, you are not going to find a more reliable, loving man than Dan. Aww. Yeah, and he was like, I don't think you realize what good you have in front of you right now. Yeah, your your parents are both incredible. Yeah, and she she really, really trusted the word of Pastor Trochty, so that, that helped her a lot, too. Yeah, and now they're married 40 yeah, years later. 40 years. Jeez Louise. Mm-hmm. We all want love like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they were never supposed to have kids. That's right, you're a miracle. Yeah. Yeah, your dad yeah. was your dad wasn't supposed to live past like thirty five. Yeah, when my parents first got married, um, my dad was diagnosed with a disease, and he was supposed to die within a year, and he's still alive now. Yeah, <laughs> over I don't know, like forty five years later. Right. And they also said he'd never have kids, and he they had two. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm glad they had you. Me too. And your sister Sarah, <laughs> you're both awesome. I do like you more than I like Sarah. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I hope that's not too weird. <laughs> weird for you. Hannah, thanks so much for coming on in this short notice. I really appreciate you, and I love you. I love you, too. Um, well, this has been... True Love. <laughs> Mowage. Mowage is what brings us together today. True Love and Two Lies, brought to you by Ginsburg Jewelers. Go and check out Ginsburg Jewelers over on, uh, across the street from Lindale Mall. Let them help you tell your story through jewelry. Everybody has a story they want to tell, and no better way to tell it than wearing it on your finger, on your neck. Uh, I'm telling that, that story of love um, by going together and maybe deciding what you want that ring to look like. Whatever the occasion is, go to Steve and his team over at Ginsburg Jewelers across from Lindale Mall on First Avenue, right next to Red Robin. They share a parking lot with Poncheros, right next to the fountain. If you let them know that the LAS Podcast Network or One Word Stories of Alex Schulte sent you, they're going to give you 10% off on your order. If you spend $100 million, you're going to save $10 million. And that's math. Right, Hannah? You're a teacher. Not a math teacher. Oh, so you don't know if that's right or not? <laughs> I wasn't even listening. <laughs> you just do not when I talk anyway. Okay, everybody. We're going to go to break. We'll be back with, uh, with my friend Coop here in just a second. Thanks again, Hannah. <laughs> no problem. Okay.
And we're back with Coop. Chad Cooper, full name. Coop right is what you might know him as from the stable. Rough Riders is the assistant director of marketing at Mount Mercy University. Uh, you have maybe heard him on Khawk, maybe heard him on KRNA. Either way, you're hearing him right now on One Word Stories. Chad, Coop, thank you so much for, for saying yes to this show. Not problem. Dude. I know. I know we've had to work around this a couple times because of me. So, admittedly, so I'm glad <laughs> that you were flexible with this. No, 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 no. I am. I am also um, always messing up scheduling things. My my one thing I'm working on right now is my ta- time management. Mm-hmm. It's my weakest link. So the two things that before we went to break that I was discussing that I really want to know about you is is one, um, how the pandemic went for you. You know how 2020 was when when everything was stripped away mm-hmm. you know obviously you had your your full-time gig still right but creatively i i'm wondering how you filled that gap and maybe that was with the job and i'll let you get into that but the second thing we'll get to after that that i kind of want to close today out with was the origination you know mm-hmm. when did your voice drop that kind of thing right, exactly. you know yeah, right. like when did it go from hey dad to hello <laughs> right, exactly yeah, yeah uh so but first march 2020 like you said march 23rd of 2020 mm-hmm. um no more radio what happens? What do you, what do you do? How do you, how do you replace that in your soul? Yeah. So first I didn't, you know, for the better part of a month or two, you know, I was really kind of out there in the water, swaying around, trying to figure out which way I was going to go with things. And as I said, was fortunate that I had that ground that I was still getting a full-time paycheck. Didn't have to worry about some of the pragmatic things that other people had to worry about during the pandemic. I had to worry about how do I have a creative outlet Uh, in my personal life, quite frankly. And so some of that was taken away also from travel. Wasn't able to travel because of the pandemic. Yes, you love to travel. I know that about you only because I follow you on Instagram. Yeah, so it's interesting that just now that we're having this conversation, this has basically been the bookend to the pandemic in many ways for me. I got back from Tel Aviv and Jordan on February 28th of 2020. My girlfriend and I were in O'Hare in a huge crowd waiting to get through customs, which now looking back on it, was probably a super spreader event, I'm sure, um, you know, at <laughs> yeah, that point. And then two weeks, two weeks later, the entire world literally shut down. You know, nothing was going on. And so radio became a part of that in terms of not having that anymore as an outlet. And then this past last weekend, my girlfriend and I got back from Portugal. So it feels like things have started to, you know, kind of come back together. And at least for me, there's a normalcy that comes along with that, for That's sure. Wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. So you, you, you creatively... You've kind of got your itch through travel and by learning about other people's cultures. Yeah, that and then another big element for me was being able to take the writing. I mean, I write professionally, but a lot of that is marketing, advertising, copy. And so I try to figure out a way, how could I do this? How could I kind of get back to the roots of what I love to do, which is writing? And so I started to take up real deal in some of this. I've realized that people are listening to this right now and do a side eye, but poetry became huge for me. Um, for the better part of about a year. I love that. So for me, I just started uh, to kind of find my way um, through online courses and started to do things through the <sighs> University of Pennsylvania Such has a poetry fan. course. So I just started to do that and then started to get a few things published and realized, okay, this is nice. Because one of the big things, and I believe this even in my role now at Mount Mercy, is that especially with creatives, and right now I have the fortune of being able to manage a copywriter, a, vis- a videographer, and a graphic designer. And if you don't give creative people validation, things can burn up very fast. And I think there's this 
a misconception that if someone is meant to do it, they'll just find a way to do it. They'll keep running through the brick wall over and over and over again. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I know coming up in my career, both writing and voice wise, if I didn't have someone pull me aside and say, you're good at this. And this isn't, I'm not saying this in front of a lot of people to give myself attention. I'm pulling you aside to tell you, you are good at this and you should pursue this. It means I don't, the world. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if, if I na- naturally take the next step, if not for that person. And so kind of having that validation through writing was huge for me. And so I try to express that outward to other people as well. Two qu- that brings up two thoughts for me then. Uh, I, I'm so fascinated at the fact that you took the pandemic and, and did the opposite of voice, which was writing. Mm-hmm. Right. You, right. You're, you're, you're still using words, right. but they're not coming out of your mouth. They're just coming from your brain and mm-hmm. out of your hand or whatever. Yeah, for sure. That's so fascinating to me. And I, and I think that's also so beautiful, the, the, the juxtaposition, as mm-hmm. you so beautifully put before, yeah. between, between voice and writing. Um, but another thing that I'm really curious about is who was that person for you that pulled you aside? and told you, you're good at this, you should do that. I'm sure it was more than one. Right, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I I think at an early age, and this kind of lines up with that second question that you had about when did this change, right? When did the voice actually happen? And I would say, you know, somewhere around 15 or 16, between my sophomore and junior year of high school, I remember the voice changing, you know, literally (laughs) almost overnight. Mm -hmm. I went from someone who used to answer the phone and they thought it was my mom to someone who answered the phone and they knew it wasn't my dad. They thought, like, someone else (laughs) was in the house. Like, there's another guy in the house. Something's going on. So that changed. And so obviously you get the validation immediately from your parents, right? They say, wow, you know, their voice has changed. This sounds great. But uh, another thing is that, you know, I had a coach who was a basketball coach. This had nothing to do with basketball at all. We had our senior banquet. And, you know, as far as basketball was concerned, I was a middling player, right? I wasn't going to do anything professionally basketball. basketball. But I remember at a senior, senior banquet, we got, you know, every senior had to say something, right? And I got up there and said whatever my spiel was at the time. And I remember after everything had cleared out, the coach, Rick Williams, uh, I'll give him some shine here. He still Which lives in and around Cedar Rapids. This is Wash, Cedar Rapids, Washington. You went to Wash? I went to Wash. What? Yeah. See, another connection. What? Yeah. When did 06. you graduate from? 06. What? Yeah. I graduated oh nine. Oh my yeah. Same. We were there at the same we, time. We crossed, yeah. My mind is completely blown right now. This is the essence of a podcast. You went to wash and I didn't know you? Yeah, yeah. What the heck? Did you do show choir or anything? I or did not choir? do show choir. No, this voice was not exercised through any of the conventional channels. What? Yeah. Oh my god, my brain. Who were your friends at Wash? So I used to know, obviously, a lot of basketball players. So John Hart, Will Seuss, these are kind of the names that come to yes, mind. Yeah. I, I mean I went I, I graduated with Wyatt. Yeah, okay, yeah. Will's younger brother. Yeah, exactly, for sure, yeah. And and Keenan Davis. Yeah, Barney O'Donnell was on that team. Barney. Uh, yeah. Dude, uh, he, so Barney O'Donnell just made this this post about running into, um, who was it? Who was it? He ran into somebody on an elevator, some big rapper. Oh, really? I, uh, I don't know if you guys are friends on Facebook. I just saw Barney uh, about a month ago at Rodina, just walking through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In his suit. In his suit, and he complimented my ring. So, you know, we had that. All of a sudden, we just, you know, you drop back in. Man, yeah. wild. My mind is blown yeah. right now. I didn't... We have been we have been hovering around each other for years. Exactly. So this was meant to happen one way or the it other. It really, really was. Yeah. Okay, so sorry. My mind was blown, and I totally interrupted your path, um, but Coach Smith... Williams. Williams. Oh, Coach Williams. Yeah, Rick Williams. Rick. I he's got, also the. I got in trouble with him. Yeah, he was the assistant yep. principal as well. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Can I tell you a story? He's got the stare. Yeah, I need. I need to hear the story. Um. So let's see here. <laughs> um. I don't know if I've told the story in the podcast before, but I'm going to say it again anyway. Mm-hmm. But I do remember my senior year of high school. I I um, 
during the summer before my senior year, I got really drunk mm-hmm. in my parents' basement. Yep. My parents caught me. I got grounded forever. There, it was on Hawkeye Vodka, and um, a friend of mine who I won't name threw up all over the carpet mm-hmm. and then ruined my basement for me because every time I went down there, I feel like I could never not smell it. The mind goes back. Right? And every time yeah. I smell Hawkeye now, it's like gag reflex. Yep. But anyway, uh, there was a teacher that I felt like was my friend and mm-hmm. is, was my friend, mm-hmm. and is my friend now, actually. Mm-hmm. More of my friend than a mentor even these days. Right. But I told her about that time. One time over, we were sharing, I, I, I took my lunch up to her classroom and I told her about that drinking story. Mm-hmm. And they are obligated to tell uh, yeah. if they hear something like that. So she could like lose her job. She could have lost her job if they found out that I told her about that and that she didn't. Right. So she told them. And um, Mr. Williams pulls me out of my choir rehearsal to, to bring me down to the office and sits me down and is like, um, so we heard about this story, you know, of you, Alex, and uh, um, we're thinking we might not be able to let you do the show choir. Mm. season anymore and mm-hmm. uh and you're in the play so i was i was the lead in the musical that year they're like we might not be able to let you do that any either wow. and dude when i say i got pissed off i was so pissed and i started like i was like okay if you think that your basketball team and football team aren't going out and drinking and partying every freaking weekend mm-hmm. you're insane right. i did this one time i never do this i did this one time and then i told you about it and then i have to lose my stuff this is completely unfair right and i think my argument worked because they didn't take me out of show choir and they didn't take me out of the music clearly it worked then i mean i don't think we need any other evidence you know he was like yeah well i mean i'm not i'm not putting any words in mr williams mouth he did not say yeah you're right right he did not but it clearly had an impact in one reality i think your logic probably hit the mark but i was like yo yeah I'm just a choir kid, man, who drank one time. Right. I am not the, come on. If yeah. you're going to kick me out, then you better be kicking out star athlete number right. one over here. Well, the crazy thing about that, too, and this is probably why it had so much resonance when he pulled me aside or said something to me, is that by no means were the two of us close, right? He was my head basketball coach, but I wouldn't say that he was necessarily like a father figure to me or that we were real close. I think we kind of had somewhat of a contentious relationship when I was a player on that team yeah and there's another guy he was a tough guy guy. and another guy whose name I totally forgot but need to mention because he's so prominent at Wash and also now in the community is Stacy Walker (laughs) and Stacy Stacy had kind of a famous I'm paraphrasing somewhat but this was when he was still in high school and he said you know there's something about coach Williams he doesn't need to yell at you he gives you this look there's a stare and I've been on the wrong side of that stair many times. <laughs> and so when he said something positive to me, that, that struck a chord. And then the other thing that comes to mind, which is weird as well, is that my grandmother passed away when I was a junior in high school, I think. And at her funeral, they asked me, the voice had fully changed by this time. And they said, will you do the readings at her funeral? Mm. And I said, sure. And so I got up there and did, I think, two readings. And this is a Catholic family. My mom's heavily Catholic, grew up Catholic. <laughs> that, I tell people all the time, you yeah. can take you know, you know, can take yourself out of the church. You're never going to take the church out of your culture, out of your element. Right. It's I grew up very culture. Irish Catholic as well. And, yeah. and while I don't practice anymore, it still heavily influences. Right. Um, and it's around me and my family all the time. Yeah, so that's something I carry with me as well. But the idea that I got up there and did that, and I was 15 or 16 at the time, and afterward, people were coming up to me and saying, wow, you know, not just the voice, but the enunciation, the pacing, the way you read things 
made yes. a difference. And I would say at that point, literally, I kind of said, this is what I want to do with my life. And one way or the other, this is what I want to do. Now, how do I do that, right? How do you actually take a voice and find a way to do something with it? But at that point, those two things that happened basically about a year apart kind of st- stuck with me, even to this day. That's fantastic. I, I mean, what, what a terrible circumstance, obviously, with your yeah. your, your grandmother's funeral. But That's there's, so ter- terrible. There's a natural element to it that um, kind of happens out of it. Exactly. And I think it also shows that you can work those muscles even in dire circumstance, you know, right. when, when the time calls for it and your family needs a voice to step up. There you were. Yeah. And at such a young age, 16 years old probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was it. That's so insane to me. Yeah. So, so um, I love that story, though, of like one day I was... Yeah, <laughs> they exactly. thought it was my mom. Right, and the next day it was this deeper voice than my dad. So let's go. Let's go before the voice dropped. Then mm-hmm. who who were you before the voice? You know, quite frankly, I was all sports. I was frankly, if I admit it now, a pretty one dimensional person as a kid. <laughs> uh, but I also grew up an only kid, so there was a natural creativity that I probably did not notice or respect at the time. That now looking back, I realize was realize was there. So someone who had a natural kind of inclination to writing, to making things up to a degree, to kind of figuring out ways of crafting story, but then someone who was hugely into sports and then at about the age of 17 or 18 had to come with, to grips with the idea that that was not going to be the future endeavor for me. It's a tough realization for young athletes. It is. It is. And so the jock element had to leave and another element had to come in. And I guess at this point, once again, thankfully for the voice, you know, that comes in and that gives me a guide path to go elsewhere and do other things i love that though yeah. i mean uh, there, there had to be a million things that were pulling you in different directions at that point in time in 16 17 you have no idea what you're going to be doing right and everything's coming at you which way or another but but it's so fantastic that something jumped out so prominently in your life yeah. so early well now that i mean and the other thing too about the voice which i guess you know i'd be remiss if i didn't say this when your voice changes at 16 to the degree that it did yeah it you become kind of a sideshow oddity right like you raise your hand in class and you look like a fresh-faced 16 year old and you have a voice that sounds like this. And this was pretty close <laughs> to what I sounded like even when I was 16. And that's weird. There's no way. I mean, it's just odd. It's weird. Um, now that I'm in my mid-30s and I have a beard, I have facial hair, it matches a little more, right? But back then it didn't. And so Even now you look younger yeah, than you sound. Exactly. So there's a thing you kind of have to grow into it, and then you have to get past that idea of when people initially hear you, it does not connect with what they think you look like necessarily. And so that's been the other contrast is – the voice versus who you are otherwise and what you look like and how you portray yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so after high school, then you went to University of Iowa. Yeah. Did, how did you use the voice there? So obviously my my interest went straight to broadcasting. I like how we've referred to it this whole time as the voice and not your voice. Yeah. But I want to make sure that we keep continuing to call it the voice. I like it as the voice. And it is to a degree. Even throughout my life, it's been something that's hovered around me to a degree. Yeah. <laughs> and this is not sponsored by NBC's The Voice. Yeah. This is it's uh... just the most preferred way of us using it for this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so my natural inclination was I need to do broadcasting. Like, how do I get in front of a microphone? How do I get in front of a camera? How do I do this? Is that what you went to school for? Yeah, so I went to school for journalism and mass communication. And initially, you know, I think that the natural element is there are kind of two tracks of people who were at the journalism school at Iowa. There were the people who were hardcore reporters who loved the idea of going out, being able to get a story, run down a story. That was not me. You know, I'll admit that right now. I think I've taken on more of that kind of idea as I've grown older, which is interesting. But I was more of the, how do I get in front of a mic as fast as possible? I'll do anything. 
I just want to get in front of a mic. And so that started. I don't care what I'm talking about. Right. I don't care what I'm doing, sports, news, otherwise, the weather report, hog prices, doesn't matter. I just want (laughs) to be in front of a microphone. Let me talk. Yeah, let me talk. So the Daily Iowan gave me an element of that, but I'd also be remiss if I didn't. Before I went to Iowa, I went two years to Kirkwood. And Kirkwood. Fantastic. Kirkwood's program in relation to Iowa, at least for me, and other people might have different stories about this, but was leaps and bounds better for me. I had more of an interaction with the professors. I had two professors who really took me under their wing and said, we're going to make sure that we mature your skill and make sure you have the best path to do this possible. And so Gail Smetana was one of those instructors and Rose Codet was the other. And I feel like I have to put praise on their names and give them their roses while they're still here because (laughs) I'm telling you, they had a huge impact when I was kind of at that age of figuring it out still. Fledgling, still in college, still trying to figure out, is there a career path? to having a voice like this, and they gave me that so that when I went to Iowa, I had that kind of that confidence already to be able to do things from there. Man, and, and I think I hope some kid is listening to this that's like, man, I don't want to go to community college first. Mm-hmm. That's that's uh, not the path, you know, that's right. nothing to be proud of. Mm-hmm. There is definitely something to be proud of by going to Kirkwood first. That That is the smart decision. Yeah, it's a smart decision. I mean, obviously we can talk financially, but also being able to have kind of that direct relationship with other students and then also with professors. At Iowa, it's very easy to get lost in the mix. And this this sounds like I'm doing an admission spiel right now. But <laughs> this is what I'm used to. But, um, you know, for the most part, there's some reality to that. When you're able to sit in a classroom and be able to have someone just connect with you one-on-one and to be able to have the space that they have. Kirkwood's done a tremendous job, at least when I was there. I think it's even gotten better it has. of putting a lot of yeah. resources and money into their broadcasting and communications Oh, specifically elements. that, yes. Specifically that. Not just, not just the university or the college as a whole, I should say, but that department and those facilities, they give students going through that program a tremendous opportunity to be able to do anything they want to do, whether it's radio, television, print. They have it, and that's, that's tremendous. Do you get to be a part of KCCK? If you go through Kirkwood? You you definitely have that element. For me, I wasn't, which is seems somewhat weird now because my, so much of my career went into radio. But I did so much work for the uh, KSTV or whatever the Kirkwood like public access channel was, whether it was announcing basketball games, anchoring their newscast. They just have such an element that other universities don't have or other colleges, especially of that size, just don't have. Mm. And so that was huge. That was huge to be able to give people experience. And even now I think of the students I work with at Mount Mercy who I intersect with, and they have the Mount Mercy Times if they're interested in writing. And to have that kind of element is, once again, that idea of validating. Is there a source on campus, whether it be a person or organization, that's willing to validate creative talent? Mm. And if there isn't, that's a huge lapse. And if there is, you're going to have successful graduates just based off of that alone. Oh, that's so fantastic. That's a lovely put. So um, I've had my questions answered, but now that we do have a little bit of extra time at the end of this, mm-hmm. I have a few things I'd love to ask you, just radio guy to radio guy. Sure. So there's a few things that I've been curious about. So um, actually, a position, the morning show position recently opened up at KRNA, mm-hmm. and I did not apply for it. I don't even know if I would have been considered, but I... I think I would have had a chance. Right. One of my big drawbacks from wanting to do that was I don't want to um, follow somebody else's blueprint. Mm-hmm. Now, you said at the beginning, uh, a little bit ago, like, I don't care what I say, whether it's the weather or hog prices or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just let me talk. Yeah. Um, has that changed since then? Are you at a point now where you do want to be more in control of what is what you are saying or is there still just that raw need to speak 
there's definitely a raw need to speak, but I think back to even one of the earlier points I said, which is that, you know, this voice is going to carry itself to a degree. And so I'm not willing to modulate it or change it based on the dynamics. I'm going to let the voice do the speaking for itself. And so whatever that naturally aligns with is what I'm going to do. And and that's been a huge point of where I've been at. Do you feel like um, you've had to maybe put on some different hats, though, for the different radio stations? I mean, K-Hawk and KRNA are very different radio stations. Right. So for me, K-Hawk was a natural... And for those who don't know, K-Hawk is country, KRNA is classic rock. Yeah. And so with K-Hawk, there was definitely, even though it's country music, it was a natural element because this voice, as you're hearing it right now, is fine on K-Hawk. It works. With KRNA, there was always kind of the feeling... You didn't feeling, do a southern twang? Yeah, I didn't do any <laughs> twang to it. I felt like this worked. KRNA always felt like, yeah, I got to throw a little extra juice on it. But KRNA, in many respects, when we're talking about mentors and people that kind of ushered my way in, Greg Sharnar, Shark, as most people know him, he passed away a few years ago, unfortunately. He oh. really gave me my break into radio. I was doing production work, barter commercials, dubbing things, spending mindless, literally. My, I mean, this took yeah. no mental ability whatsoever <laughs> to do what I was doing. This was post-production to the its epitome. And uh, <laughs> he is the one who kind of said, hey, do you want to do an on-air shift at KRNA? And I didn't know anything about doing an on-air shift. I didn't know about breaks. I didn't know about cutting into music, any Hitting of that. Hitting the post. Hitting the post, any of that. And I didn't know about running live remotes. He'd go out to some bar in Iowa City, and I'd yeah. run in the studio engineering it. So I learned it was baptism by fire for sure. Sure. But uh, I owe to, a lot to him. And I feel like I've got to give some context here to listeners. So, you know, hitting the post means uh, you're saying that last word right before the singer starts singing. Because exactly. you, you can speak over the instrumental intro of the song, but if you say, here's Bruno Mars with this, and then he starts singing, darling, I'll still catch a grenade, or whatever it is, yep. uh, then that's hitting the post. Uh, Engineering while while they're on a remote a remote recording mm-hmm. is right. when they have to go out of the radio station exactly. to to for usually a client to promote mm-hmm. something that they're trying to sell or, a, or an yep. event that they want you to come to and then while they're out there doing the radio show from there there has to be somebody at the radio station pressing all the buttons and making sure nothing catches on fire and that was your job in this circumstance exactly and this i guess this is uh indicative of a couple of radio guys i'm we're just spitting out these terms without explaining them so i'm glad you gave the added context i try to to, i try to never assume that anybody knows anything i'm talking about so i'm sorry if i over explained that no no you i think you did a perfect job and it it's funny because i learned about those things after i did them you know i had no idea what i was doing while i was doing it so funny and then maybe six months later i said oh wait a minute that's what i've been doing in the oh, past that's six what months. That's, called? Yeah, that's what that's called? Fantastic. So yeah. I definitely learned by doing and then put the knowledge to it after the fact. So, um, but back to my question of, of, so do you really feel like you were speaking with your own voice, um, so to say, when working at these, at these companies, or do you think you were being somebody that they wanted you to be? I think to a degree I was being someone they wanted me to be. I think you're going to fall into that with corporate radio anyway. Corporate TV, doesn't matter where you're at. If you're anything that's huge, there's going to be a bit of a control element to it. But I also think there's a certain power that comes with this voice, frankly, that makes it hard to bottle it. It's always going to necessarily be what it is. There are other choices at those radio stations that I may not have agreed with that happened in a- terms of... Any radio station, any Exactly, job. yeah. So, you know, the things that are being played or the promotions that are being promoted or whatever it might be. Or the way they are being promoted. Or the way they are being promoted. But as far as this voice on a mic, I felt 
pretty natural. And there was a freedom at KRNA to kind of be able to do what you wanted to do. And Hawk, I think, was kind of a natural fit for this voice anyway. So I never had trouble sleeping at night. It was never that sort of <laughs> conflict, if you will. But, yeah, there was certainly an element to it if you're working with any huge corporation or a conglomerate or anything like that. Obviously, for people who don't know, Hawk, KRNA, KDAT, and, and I-1071, which I think has another moniker now, they're all under the same umbrella. It used to be Cumulus, and then now I think it's Town Square Media. Uh, Town Square. Right. So, you know, you have ownership that's out on the East Coast or wherever it might be. And so, you know, decisions right. are made from the top, and they filter down to the but bottom. But then people like Mary Quaz yeah, yeah. Are, are, runs KRNA. Right. You exactly. know. Yeah. I mean, people come that's in and That's someone I've always thing. wanted to meet. I've never met Mary Quaz. Yeah. You, you must have. Yeah, I mean, interact to her a few times. Yeah, and you know what, Bob James at KHAK, I mean, that's someone who's just been, he's been, uh, quite frankly, pretty uh, prominent in my career with radio as well. He kind of reached across the aisle and brought me in at Hawk, and I owe him a lot for my career as well. So, you know, if, if, if anything has defined my career at this point, it's looking at things and saying there's certainly negatives to some things that happen. Losing a radio gig during COVID is definitely yep, one of those. Definitely. But I also look past at the eight years prior to that and how much I was able to pick up and learn from that. And I hit the ground running, even in jobs that aren't radio related. It helped in communication overall, being right. able to do that. And it made the connections that, quite frankly, kind of gave me a foot in to be with the Rough Riders right now. So that's how things work out. So what's coming up next? What's the future look like for Coop? You know, right now, I'm only about three months into this gig at Mount Mercy University. And so I'm super excited for that job for a few reasons. One, because it is Cedar Rapids' university. One, that's literally true. It is the only university in Cedar Rapids. Hell yeah. But two, I think it's so intrinsic and, and connected to the community itself. And the, the irony is that it's the highest point in Cedar Rapids. It's literally on the hill. You know, we call it the hill. I walk up it every day when I go to work. And yet it's not necessarily as well-known in and around Cedar Rapids as people might think it is. And so my job creatively is how do we get Mount Mercy out there more prominently? And to me, that's when the creative gears start rolling. And so, you know, one of the early wins for us is that we were able to partner with Ray Gunn here within the past month oh really and so now you can walk into ray gun here in cedar rapids and right there the center display says sisters before misters that's our shirt you know, that's <laughs> a sis, you know because obviously we're founded by the sisters of mercy we have tunnels of fun if no one knows you got to come up to mount mercy we have literal tunnels underneath underneath the university that run from building to building so these are cool things right that I didn't necessarily get to do it my old role at RNL because it's a huge company. I was doing the writing. This is an opportunity for me to write still. I still get that passion out, but also do all these other things. You're engulfed in the culture? I'm engulfed in the culture. I'm I'm emailing Ray Gunn saying, hey, why aren't there Mount Mercy t-shirts, right. Mount Mercy stickers? Let's do that. Wait, Let's are you the one on that set that up? Yeah, so I Dude. reached out to Mike Draper at Ray Gunn, so I want to give them props as well because they were amenable to it. They were interested in it, but, you know, that's the kind of thing I get to do in this role. And, you know, back to that idea of a voice being a little more than just that, being a communicative outlet, that's what this role has been for me. It's been a, quite frankly, it's been kind of a saving grace for me because at first, uh, especially during the pandemic, I felt like I'm not really exercising all the muscles I have right now. I'm mm -hmm. doing one job and, and it's, it's filling one part of that creative fulfillment, but not all of it. This role is doing that. Sometimes to a, a maddening extent where mm -hmm. I'm wondering how many hours there are left in the day and there aren't enough, but it's, it's been a huge creative fulfillment uptick for me. Chad Cooper, you are an asset to our community. Uh, we are so lucky that you've decided to stay here with us because if you wanted to, I think you could be anywhere you wanted. You could go to any big city and be a voice there or, or influence their community in, in amazing ways. So I'm so glad you've 
chosen to stay here. Um, and I can't wait to see what's next for you. This is the part of the show where usually the music comes in. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to add it in post. You're hearing it right now, listener. We're just not hearing it right now. We're going out with no sound, Coop. Fantastic. This is the true podcast experience. This is. Live. These are the bones. One man band. Right on. But I couldn't do it without an amazing guest. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Well, Likewise. And I just want to say this as well. And I know we've traded this over messages a few times, but your work with the Rough Riders, and I, and I frankly don't know the full extent of your work in the community overall, but I've just been so blown away by what you've done with the Rough Riders. I'm talking about <laughs> filling in on the fly with the national anthem and all due respect to the other anthem singers. There have been some great ones. I, I remember yours prominently more than the rest, not just because wow. I work with you, but because there's something that sticks with it. And, and I tell people this when I'm out in the community all the time, that your job as host with the Rough Riders is even more nerve wracking than people see even on camera or whether they be walking around. That is a start to finish a full on sprint to get that stuff done. And so likewise, I mean, I appreciate everything you said just here a few minutes ago. I feel the same way. Cedar Rapids is very lucky to have you here in the community. You're doing a lot of different things, whether it be with the podcast, whether it be with the Rough Riders. These are the kind of people that I think, you know, we get brain drain in Iowa. That's become a huge element of this. To have people like yourself who stick around here and not only say, I'm going to do this for me, I'm going to find ways to exercise my creative voice. Mm -hmm. How do I get other people involved in this as well? The more people we could have like that in Cedar Rapids, we'd all be a lot better off. You were going to make me emotional. Oh, I, I wasn't aiming for that coming in, but it just it feels right. And I, like I said, I thanks just, for saying that. It's not a problem. That is, you've made my freaking day. I usually curse on this episode. I've gotten this far without cursing, so I, okay. I, I I edited myself there. I didn't cur I didn't not curse on purpose. It just, it just naturally it just didn't happen. There's yeah. usually a red E yeah, next it, to every one of these episodes. It didn't happen here. Didn't happen today. Yeah. Dude, thank you for saying that. I, I it's it's always a pleasure to be seen. Mm-hmm. You know? We all work our butts off to make this place the best place on earth and then and it's it's just great when somebody points it out. So I really, really thank you for saying that. That means a lot. It is it isn't easy, you yeah. know, but it is a lot of fun. Yeah, there's so. there's nothing wrong with New York or Chicago or L.A. by Absolutely. any stretch of the imagination. But to be honest with you, there's something much more distinctive and unique about someone who can say, I'm going to make it work here in Cedar Rapids because I know enough about the community to know there's talent here. How do I exercise that and really give it a space to flourish? Beautifully put. You really, okay, I see why you're the the director of marketing at Montmorency University now. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was beautiful. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to steal that. I'm going to write that down. That's our elevator Feel pitch free. from here on That's that. yours. Um, Coop, where can we find you? Where can we follow you? Instagram, I know. Instagram, you know, I go by professional underscore irregular on Instagram because I think at the end of the day, that's kind of what I value myself on. There's something about me that doesn't quite fit the box necessarily, um, even though it might seem pretty surface level. You know, the voice is there. There are other elements to me. Feel free. I travel a lot. You can follow me there on Facebook, obviously, all of those spots. If you're looking for a voice for your event, yeah. hit them up at professional underscore irregular right. on Instagram. This is Chad Cooper. He goes by Coop. You can call him whatever you want. Daddy? Yeah, it all works. Um, Dude, this has been such a great interview. I'm so glad to finally know your story. It's a treat. And and like I said, it's a treat to have you here. Um, Will you stick around for a little bit for the post show? Of course. Looking forward to it. Let's do do a game. Okay, we got 15 minutes. So if you were subscribed to LIS Plus, we're going to see you in a couple minutes for the post show. If not... 
thank you so much for listening anyway, and we'll see you next Wednesday. This has been One Word Stories, the show where we take one word and let it inspire the stories we tell. To find out more, go to laspodcastnetwork.com slash one word stories. Or if you want to subscribe to LAS Plus, it's laspodcastnetwork.com slash plus. I think that does it. I think you got everything. I think that was gonna, impressive. Thank you, sir. You, I can tell you right now as being a guest in the studio, no notes in front of you, no papers, nothing. That was complete out of the dome. It's got to be organic, man. It and is. if I mess it up, I mess it up. Yep, that's okay. part of it. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Coop, I'll see you on the post show here in a second. Everybody else, see you next Wednesday. Oh, and I have one last question for you, listener. What's your word? Mustache Media.